You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 58. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the first guest episode of 2015, guys. I'm so excited to share with you today's guest. But before I get to it, I want to share an exciting announcement. Over the last few weeks, I've been working on an intention-setting mini-series in honor of January and the start of the new year when a lot of people are thinking about designing their life with intention, and as well because there's a launch for Life with Intention Online coming up soon. This mini-series is completely free, but is going to help you set values-based intentions, know what they are, how to use them, how to create them, and then most importantly, how to plan for the future if that's something you're looking to do for 2015. You can sign up for it at lifewithintentiononline.com. You'll enter your email there. If you're already on my email list, please know I'm not going to be sending these links directly out to the email list because everyone may not want this series. So you have to go to lifewithintentiononline.com to sign up for these three videos that are part of this mini series. And most importantly, I hope you guys leave a comment for me in the comments below the video so I can hear what you're working on and how the content that I'm sharing is helping you. I'm going to be responding to everyone there. So I'm so excited to get to meet you a little bit more if I don't know you already and get to hear more about how intention setting is going for you. I also want to say that this is something that is only going to be around for a limited time. I'll be bringing it out again, I'm sure at some point in the future, but this is for a limited time. So again, go to lifewithintentiononline.com in order to sign up. The first one is now live. The first video is live today. So you'll get it right away in your inbox. And now let's turn our attention to The Lively Show. I'm so excited for the 2015 season of The Lively Show. I can't even tell you. I've been working with my friend Ashley as my associate producer to help make this show even better than it was in 2014. I've got some amazing guests lined up that I'm quite honestly pinching myself over, including today's guest, and I'm looking for more stories from you. So if you would like to submit yourself or someone you know, I've created a place for you to do that. Please, instead of sending me a regular email, please use this form. It's gonna make the system for us to go through applications and the submissions much easier. If you want to submit yourself or someone else for The Lively Show, simply go over to justlively.com slash info to find out how you can submit yourself or someone else. Using those submissions are going to be the best way for you or someone you know to get on the show. And now for today's guest, I cannot believe I am telling you today we have Tina Roth Eisenberg on the show. For those who are not familiar with Tina, Tina is a powerhouse. She's someone I greatly admire for many reasons, one of them being that she truly lives from her values and really embodies the life with intention process that I teach. She is truly living from this place, and it's so exciting to see her doing it at such an amazing level. Tina is a designer, a multi-business owner, a blogger, and a keynote speaker with many speeches, including one at South by Southwest. As far as her businesses, the one you may probably know her most for would either be Tatley, her temporary tattoo studio in Brooklyn, or Creative Mornings. Creative Mornings is a lecture series that goes on worldwide. If you're familiar with my intention tattoos, those are produced by Tatley. 
In addition, she also has an app that I've used for several, several years called todo.com, and that's T-E-U-X-D-E-U-X.com. I love it for so many reasons. I've written about it on my blog over the years, and I cannot imagine living without that app. In addition to talking about how these passion projects have turned into thriving businesses, we're also going to talk about how she balances her career with her time with her two children. Let's go to the show. Tina, thank you so much for being here on The Lively Show and helping me kick off the 2015 season. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. I know. It's kind of a dream come true. I'm pinching myself because I have admired what you do so much. So let's start with your background. Why don't you tell us how you got to where you are? So I am a Swiss designer gone New York. That's my small tagline <laughs> that I usually use. But so I grew up in Switzerland and uh, studied graphic design. And in 1999, I decided to come to New York for a three-month internship. So and now 15 years later, I'm still in New York. I've run a few businesses that have kind of happened very organically and accidentally. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that. And I'm a mother of two. I'm, a mar- I'm married to New Yorker and, and New York is my home. You are married with two children. And actually, those businesses that you started started because of the births of your children. Do you want to go into how that actually happened? Because I don't think that's the normal path for a lot of people. Yeah. So whenever I give talks, I make sure to mention sort of the the story, how I became an entrepreneur, because I can tell that women in the audience usually eat it up because I feel like women are still faced with the decision career or children. And in a very odd way, my kids have actually become, have become my career catalysts. Uh, usually we always hear the opposite. So when I uh, became pregnant with my daughter, my first child, I sort of took inventory of my life and I had this really, this moment of reflection. And I realized there were a lot of dreams that I've never addressed uh, that I still wanted to achieve in my life. And I I think it was the fact that I'm going to be a role model all of a sudden <laughs> and that I could not no longer just fool myself and, and push these dreams further out. So I I started my design studio. You know, my dream was always to run my own design studio. So I started it the day my daughter was born, which is kind of crazy, but it worked out. <laughs> How did the business actually start that day? Well, it didn't start. I mean, I told myself that the day my daughter was born is the day I'm going to be an entrepreneur. So, but obviously when you have a baby, you're busy, (laughs) but I was planting seeds, basically talking to people, you know, and uh, luckily I had a very prestigious client lined up and uh, I got to work like two and a half months, two months later, I started very slowly, but surely easing into that project. So I was very lucky to be able to sort of have this very smooth transition obviously, you know, it sounds very easy. It wasn't. (laughs) I know exactly. What you really did was you made the commitment to becoming an entrepreneur that day. And that decision is sometimes put off in a lot of cases far longer than it needs to. You've shared before that you were kind of waiting for that perfect moment to happen. What happened that made you recognize that's not going to be the case? Well, I always thought that, you know, you mentioned something I mentioned in a talk. Like I always thought that one day this angelic choir is coming down from the sky and it's going (laughs) to tell me, Tina, you should start your business. I'm serious. For some reason, I thought one day I'll wake up. And it's the same thing with having children. You always think one day you'll know, (laughs) but you don't. You can't really plan these things. The perfect moment really is when you think you're ready and you could do it and you could handle it. And then you just got to go for it, right? I think being pregnant and sort of really looking at where I was in my life, it's such a huge milestone of being a grown up. 
I think that just was the catalyst of like really telling myself, come on, if I can do this, then I can also handle being a business owner. And I also have a tendency to really fill my plate <laughs> way more than I, can, I think I can handle. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> I actually can relate a lot to that with my own entrepreneurial spirit. And always, I always say I have to prune the bush faster than other people because I, I grow the projects and the things that I'm doing very quickly because I get so excited and then I get overwhelmed and I have to prune it down and get it back to a manageable shape again. Yep, I, I can relate. Let's talk about this decision to go huge in your business, not just to create a business that helps support your family, which is often with my clients I've worked with in the past, kind of what they're looking for is that middle ground of the balance in their family time, half spending there and half with their businesses. How did you approach that? Because I know you take your personal projects very seriously. So I'm guessing you're not spending half of your day at home, even though you've just had your children. How did that work for you? I mean, I guess you're asking more a bit about life balance of like being a mom and running a business. Is that where you go? Yeah. Well, you have like five businesses and they're all very large businesses. These aren't side projects. <laughs> That's adorable because they're they're not. It's, it's I always <laughs> love it when people think these businesses are really big because they're really not. I started out running a graphic design studio, right, where I did web design. So that was the thing that I started when I uh, had my daughter. But then the other businesses you're mentioning, they very organically over time happened, you know, very slowly. And they didn't start out at businesses. I started side projects that have organically turned into businesses. So, for example, there's Tatley, a temporary tattoo company that I started because I was fed up with the ugly temporary tattoos my daughter would bring home. So that was never planned to be a real business. It was just one of these things where I can't stand complaining. If I sense or if I notice that I'm complaining about the same thing over and over, I always sort of tell myself, Tina, you have two options. Do something about it or let it go. And her coming back from birthday parties, I was like, I was like, I need to stop complaining about these hideous temperate tattoos that everybody puts <laughs> in the goodie bags, you know? <laughs> so that was just like one of these moments where I had to fix it. But it was more a joke than anything else. You know, being a web designer, it was so easy for me to build a site having so many illustrator friends that have been celebrating on my blog, it took an email and asked them, do you want to design a cool tattoo? And then the next thing you know, I launched with 16 designs. And then I realized very quickly, oh my God, there's a market for this. And then uh, now we're three and a half years later and we're a global company and we have like uh, 16 employees, 14. That's what I'm saying. When you say I don't have very big businesses, I'm thinking you have teams on these businesses. These aren't, you know, solo entrepreneur projects. These are worldwide, global scale. Creative Mornings, for example, is worldwide. So it's interesting. See, when, when I hear you have a large business, then I think of some of my friends who have like 500 employees. Isn't it funny how we all have different <laughs> points of like, you know, it's all about reference. It's all, Yeah, it's all different points of reference. So to me, having a company of like 14 is still cute. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's still cute. Well, all right. You have a lot of cute businesses, Tina. I'll give you that. <laughs> but you have so many. So these are for me sitting here in this chair talking to you and a lot of people listening, you don't have cute businesses. They are very large, cute businesses. Okay. So, all right. With that in mind, if you're not comparing yourself to Richard Branson, <laughs> so when you put yourself and pour yourself so wholeheartedly, was it a challenge because of your children or how did that work? Because I myself, I'm going to start hopefully having children at some point. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready immediately, but I'm looking down that path and it is an interesting choice. And so how did you make yours? It all comes down to knowing what makes you happy. 
I grew up with two entrepreneurial parents and my mom was a very successful business person and I could always see how she was thriving in running her businesses and how she got a lot of fulfillment out of her business. And at the same time, every night at 6.30, she'd be home and, you know, she was always reliable. She was always there for me when I needed her, but yet she was a working mom. That's sort of a role model I grew up with. I just know for a fact that if I was home all day, I'd be a miserable wife and I would not be a happy mom. So to me, it was very clear if I can manage to find a good balance between working and, and being a mom, it was super important to me to, to be a mom. So I leave at nine o'clock in the morning at home or I bring the kids to school. It depends on, I trade off with my husband and I'm home at 6.15. So I do get a good chunk of the day at the beginning and at the end with my kids. And that is just I will not, you know, and I have like weekly dates with my daughter, dinner dates, and this is super important to me. And for example, on the weekend, I will not plan anything work-related, with maybe the exception of one trade show a year on a Sunday, but that is like sacred family time. So to me, that's how I find the balance. And luckily, when you're your own business owner, you know, if I need to go to a school event and see my kids or my daughter in a play, I can do that, you know, and I make up for it later at night when they're in bed. You believe in taking your personal projects very seriously, and we've kind of touched on that just now. But, you know, obviously these personal projects, like you said, didn't start as businesses. They were personal projects. So what does taking a personal project very seriously really mean to you? If you have an idea for what I call a side project or a labor of love, something that just keeps you up at night or keeps coming up with dinner and during dinner conversation with friends or you keep catching yourself saying, you know, I should really try doing X. I really feel like you need to make, carve out time of the day to actually work on that. I'm a big believer that these little side projects, no matter what they are, you know, is it like making a drawing a day, you know, whatever, whatever it is, they're so important for our own development and just for our own happiness. And I've realized I just promised myself if I would start something, I would make time for it, you know, and, and sometimes it was certain periods it was like maybe 20 minutes a day but I would work on it every day and slowly but surely these these little labors of love have turned into bigger projects and as I was continuously working on them and sharing them with my friends you know they could see how my face would light up when I talked about these projects they sort of slowly but surely all you know sort of started getting excited about it and helping me and and the thing that a lot of people don't understand is like for example creative mornings which is a lecture series I started here in New York which was also a complete side project, it took years and years until it started growing. And it was never a plan to grow. So I've never started these projects thinking they need to be an overnight success and they need to be recognized by everyone and they're going to turn into a business. No, it, they came from such an innocent place and just from a place of I was excited about it and I was excited on working on it, that I think people sensed it. I think in today's day and age where everyone always thinks about, okay, if I spent this much time on it, what is it going to earn me? What is it going to, what's the outcome? And when you take sort of the money component out of it, which is the secret of a side project, like when you start a side project, you never make decisions around money because it's a labor of love. It's just something you believe in. It's a passion project. And you don't think about money. So you make decisions from such a from a different level where things can grow and you can experiment and you can fail. And, and then, you know, people eventually maybe catch on and love it. And then you realize, maybe I can very naturally grow this into a business. I love that. That's actually something I talk a lot about with my own course, Life with Intention Online, is helping people live from their values and take action from their values, like you said, into the passion projects. That's the actions you take without 
attaching themselves to the outcomes. This is something actually Gandhi talked a lot about is letting go of the outcome being the determinator of what motivates you and coming Mm -hmm. from that higher level. And I love that you're doing that so naturally. And like you said, when you do come from those values and you find better principles to act on, often you'll stumble on principles that create outcomes like money or create those shiny penny outcomes that everyone looks at and says, well, you're so successful because you have those pennies. You didn't come Mm -hmm. for the pennies and that's why you're successful. I love that. So as I just mentioned, I'm all about values and you are as well. So I know some of your values because you've shared them before. Some of them are create, play, trust, and respect. How did you find those values for yourself? When I started being asked to give talks at conferences, it's so interesting. Like I'm a total gut person. Like I actually have a hard time oftentimes putting things into words, why I do the things I do. But whenever I'm being asked to give a talk, I'm starting to sort of scrape off the bottom of my soul. <laughs> and I'm and my my team always sees me like how I sit there tortured trying to like put into words why I do the things I do. And but in the end of the day, it's always so helpful. So those values, like I remember, I think that was the South by talk, if I remember right. I really wanted to sort of give a talk on on what I believe in and, and why I do the things I do. Because a lot of people always comment. So a lot of, let's say, more old school or more traditional business trained people look at how I run businesses and they look at me and it's like, Tina, this is backwards. They come to me and say, like, you need to look at your spreadsheets and you need to make these decisions all based on the bottom line. And I'm like, no, that's not how I run my businesses. I I feel like that the workplace is like in need of like sort of a gentle revolution and a sort of a, it needs to become a bit more human and a bit kinder. <laughs> so that's sort of like how I run the business. And oftentimes I just ask myself, what's the right thing to do? What's the right thing to do in terms of being respectful with customers, clients, your employees? You know, what's, what is the right thing to do to create a beautiful environment where my employees want to come in every day and love working here and where customers can feel that and sense that, you know, people that work here put an extra layer of love in, into what they do. I'm kind of made that my mission at this point to sort of be maybe a little bit of a warrior of like, hey, let's just not always only make decisions based on the spreadsheet, but maybe more also like let's run our businesses a bit more from the heart as well. I can totally say from having worked with your business, Tatley, because of the intention tattoos that I sell and create through you guys, you guys produce them for me, I can say on two occurrences, one of them today, in fact, and over the time of working with another over the last few months with the intention tattoos, I have found that with your team. I had a phone call today with one of the people in your company, and I felt like I just got a hug just from having a simple conversation with him. I think his name is Nick. You should go give him a hug for me (laughs) after this call because he was so kind. And then another situation happened where the intention tattoos in gold were rubbing off quicker than we expected, especially compared to black. Yeah, we didn't like that at all. Mm -hmm. We didn't. And what you guys did when I told you guys this was happening or getting the feedback from my customers, because I didn't, you know, I can't control how they wear. Obviously, I want them to wear for like seven years. But I told the person who I was in contact with, and she offered to help send all of these individuals back black tattoos that would last longer. It was so far above and beyond what the call of duty might have been. It really does show that what you're saying and these values you have are not just being acted out by yourself, but are really permeating your whole company and even the people that work for you. It's really, it's, it's transformational. I really, really do think that you're, you're really talking the real thing. (laughs) Oh, thank you. But it should never surprise us, though. To be very honest, last week, I hung up the phone because I called a very big uh, credit card company 
I had this credit card I haven't used in literally five years. And I called to cancel. And I was bracing myself to be like trying to be convinced to not cancel it. And this woman was so nice and so helpful (laughs) that at one point I just, I was like, is this for real? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, isn't it sad though that when people do treat us with so much respect and just kindness that we are surprised, you know, it should be the other way around. I know. And it's also, it goes both ways too. Cause I mean, having been in a product-based business myself with Jess LC, my own company for several years, sometimes you don't get that respect from the people ordering from you either. So it's kind of a, it's a balance, but you're right. It, it should be there on all sides. I think it's so powerful. So how about the other ones? How does create play and trust factor into your life and your businesses? I just know for myself that I need to be creating in whatever way that is. And you know, is it building companies? Is it creating a product that's just like I have the maker DNA so in some way I need to always feel like I am creating something so that's just something I realized in my personality and I think it's it's really important that we all know what is that thing that is just in us that we need to sort of always keep in mind that it make it's the thing that makes us happy play is a big one I run my companies always telling my team like hey let's always keep a sense of humor. Let's always sprinkle a bit of love and humor into what we do. So, and and this shines through in little small things we do. For example, my all-time favorite thing in my business, hands down, is we have a big giant drawer filled with confetti. And I am the ambassador of like, I really believe that every business needs a confetti drawer. It just makes your life better. (laughs) Sometimes I just go in there and I open the drawer and I stick my hand in it. And that's all I do. And it just makes me smile. (laughs) And I say, I have a drawer full of confetti. And of course, my kids love it every time they come by. You know, and sometimes we use it when somebody orders a big order or we just feel like somebody needs a dose of confetti in their order we use it. And so there's a lot of little small things that we do to sprinkle a little bit of humor and and the possibility of a smile into the things we do. For example, on creativemornings.com. So that's a lecture series I run that runs around the world where you can watch talks online. It's a small thing as in when you like a talk, it rains hearts all over your computer screen. And it just makes me happy every time I see that. I feel like companies that go the extra mile and just sprinkle in just a tad bit more love into their product. When you feel that somebody cares so much that they just go an extra step to maybe make you smile, or just, for example, our invoices for Tatley, I spent a whole lot of time really making them look beautiful. Why shouldn't an invoice, a packing slip, also be beautifully designed? At the end of the day, that's a touch point without customers. And I want them to look at it and go like, wow, that's actually pretty. And then there's a little joke on the bottom where we give you, if you want to reach out to us, you know, we give you the usual email, phone and all that. But we also give you like the geographical coordinates in case you want to send a messenger pigeon. <laughs> and sometimes we get a tweet at us going like, oh, I just noticed that. That was funny. And that just makes my day. You know, those little moments where you can just tell people appreciate and not everybody sees it but the people that do appreciate it I feel like they're even more loyal to us than than they were before I love this and what you're sharing is very specific to how you do this in your businesses but for anyone listening that does not have a business these values transcend business you can do this in your own job at a corporation or 
in a team with other people. These can be how you create play, respect, trust in your team, or even as a mother, imagining these same four values with your children to create, to play, to trust, and to respect, or even in a marriage, it transcends. So it's not just about, oh, this is easy for her to say, and she's created this business, so she gets to do whatever she wants. That's abdicating our own personal responsibility to embody our values wherever we are in the present moment. Absolutely. Is there any example of how you use any of these values? You don't have to go into every single one, but is there an example of it in your personal life too? Uh, a personal life example. Um, I know I can give you one just from watching your presentations. I can say that with the play one, I think of your family all wearing superhero costumes. It's pretty playful to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we try to always dress as a family every year for Halloween. Two years ago, we were all superheroes walking down the street, which was actually really funny. <laughs> and I think the year before, um, that was actually really funny. My daughter wanted to a rainbow princess. So my friend Jesse Arrington helped me make her this beautiful costume. The rest of the family sort of dressed around that. So my son was the pot of gold and my husband and I were the double rainbow. And I told my husband to watch that video. Do you remember that YouTube video, the double rainbow? No, but I need to go watch it now and link to it. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Yes. If you haven't seen it, it was, it was the big hit of that year, that summer. And it's a lot of insider jokes. Anyway, so we walked down, we walked through Williamsburg as a double rainbow, a rainbow princess in the pot of gold. And as my husband hasn't seen the video, it was hilarious. All these people walk towards us and, you know, make a joke of the video, double rainbow, what does it mean? And my <laughs> husband's like, what's going on? I was like, see, you didn't do your homework. So that's one of these examples. And then, I mean, I try, I guess, I mean, all my personal stories are all just with my kids, you know, it's so funny. My kids are still so small. When you asked me about my personal life, I was like, well, wait a second. It's basically work. And then it's my kids when I come home, you know, and I do a lot of crafts with them. I, I and the one, no, actually one story, maybe I can say, uh, I don't know if this fits in, but it's something that I've noticed and that I really excited about is that I started a, a new tradition at our house a few months ago. I was sort of thinking about my childhood memories and what I remembered as being really beautiful moments and what I think shaped me. And what I've realized is that my parents always had dinner parties. That's It's a thing you do in Switzerland. You know, houses are bigger. It's very easy to have people over for dinner and restaurants are very expensive. So I just remember growing up, like sort of overhearing conversations that my parents would have over dinner with their friends. So I very... Um, deliberately started having one big dinner party a month where I get someone from kitchen surfing that's a, a chef that comes to your house and cooks so I can really hang out with my friends and enjoy them and you know I have so many amazingly interesting friends here in New York so and what I do is like the days before I sort of tell my daughter who's eight and a half what all these people do because most of them either run exciting businesses or are let's say illustrators or whatever you know whatever it is and i usually walk her through and show them their websites and show her what they do and it's totally fascinating to see my daughter absorb it all and have conversations with fantastically smart talented people a few months in i asked her like ella do you actually like these dinner parties because they take away from me and my husband spending time with her and just that look she gave me when her face lit up and she looked at me, she's like, mom, I love them. That was like one of these <laughs> moments where I was like, oh, this is so good. So I don't know if this if this plays in, but I've never shared the story. So 
I have chills because I have like a little bit teary eyed right now because that is so sweet. What what I think is most most astounding about that is that you asked your daughter if she liked something you were doing that you thought may or may not be actually benefiting her and you got her feedback. I can't remember a time when my mom, not to say anything wrong with my mom, but I can't remember a time where my mom was like, I'm concerned about how this is affecting you. What do you think of it right now? (laughs) That just doesn't usually come out. And I think that it was done with such care in the first place to have these dinner parties in honor of your daughter, really. The fact that you asked her afterwards to see if it was having the intended outcome you were hoping for is so amazing. I want to do that with my own. You're making me want to have children more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to see the life. I tell you, having children is just the most, that's the biggest thing anyone can do, I think. Like, I've grown so much as a person. If you want to have your flaws exposed, (laughs) flashlights (laughs) on them, (laughs) you should have kids. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you know what your Myers-Briggs is, your personality type? Yes, I'm an ESFP. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I have read about my own personality type, and I thought you might have been it as well. What are you? I'm an ENFJ. And apparently ENFJs are very, very tied to their careers and very, very tied to their families, apparently. So I may never be truly fulfilled, apparently, according to my personality type in either role, because I care about both of them equally and to a huge degree. Yeah, that sounds like me. (laughs) I think we are very similar people. So as we said, you and I both like to add a lot of things to our careers (laughs) and that we get overwhelmed by them. What's your take on finishing what you start or letting go? How do you prune the bush, so to speak? I'm not so good at letting go. But (laughs) what I've learned is to delegate. I think that was my biggest lesson as a grown-up running businesses. I think I was a complete control freak. And I've really managed to let go of that. And I'm still astounded that I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that was the only way of not losing my sanity. That's where trust comes in, where what you mentioned before is one of my values. At one point, I realized when, you know, these things started taking off without me planning them, I realized I can either, I'm going to break these, what are developing into businesses, I either ruin them by trying to do everything myself and I'm going to lose my sanity or I'm going to hire people and I'm going to just trust them. And that, that was like one of these big moments where I had to take a deep breath. I hired young, very self-sufficient, smart people. I said, listen, here are the things that are really important to me and I'm going to trust you. Like, I'm going to just tell you right now, I don't know what the right answer is. I've never grown a business like this myself before. So let's just make this really good. And I trust you. It's interesting what happens because trust is basically the biggest compliment of all compliments, right? When you trust someone, they will over deliver. And I remembered actually, when I uh, was uh, about 19, I was hired by a big chewing gum company in Switzerland during my university breaks. And they would give me the most random, random, but amazing jobs. And they would, and the head of marketing, Ursula, she would always look at me and say, Tina, you can do this. I trust you. Go. Just the fact that she looked at me and she says, you can figure this out, just go. That was so empowering for a young person. And I always remember that moment. And I'm trying to do the same thing with the people I hire. And I can tell you, like the the people that came out of Tatley and Creative Mornings, you know, most of them started right out of college. They were amazing. And they surprised me like there's no tomorrow. Like they've grown. That's the thing that makes me the happiest in the end of the day. How I define happiness is, or how I define success is with when I can see growth and happiness around me. 
when I look at some of the people that started working with me like three and a half, four years ago, when I see their personal growth, when I see how, when I look back to who they were when they started and, and how confident they are now and, you know, how much they've learned, that makes me just so happy as a business owner. I love that. So we only have so much time, resources and attention to give to anything. There's always 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. With that and putting all of this energy into the things that you do, and we're putting so much into your family after work. Is there anything that you don't do that maybe other people do that you've had to let go of in order to make room in your life for the things that are here now? Yeah. I mean, the one thing that comes to mind is that, uh, and I'm not proud of this, I feel like given all the facts, all the things I do at work and at home, I feel like I'm not taking enough time for myself and also not taking enough care of myself. And again, that's something that needs to change, but I totally admit it. And I, whenever I talk to other fellow parents slash business owners, we all kind of like look at each other and nod our heads. And it's like, yep, that's the one thing that sort of falls off the wagon right now. And I see like, as my kids are getting a little older now and a little more independent, I feel like that time is coming back. But I don't know if that's where you were heading, but with the question, but that's definitely something that I need to work on. Just like find more time just for myself because I'm actually a person that likes to be alone as much as of an extrovert as I, as I am. I actually really like time to myself, which I barely ever get at this point. <laughs> <laughs> when you're driven by your values, you make room for the things that are important to you and let go of the things that are not. Is there anything that wasn't very important to you that was easy to cut out? Like, does Tina Roth Eisenberg watch TV? <laughs> we actually don't have a TV, but I watch like a show at night before I go to bed. I watch a show on Netflix that that I do. But that's just something I recently started, to be honest. What are you watching right now? Well, you know, what? something interesting happened. I, I was just done. I watched House of Cards and Scandal. And now I just finished The Good Wife. I'm a little late. I know. Two days ago, I was sitting at my computer and I tweeted uh, hey, people, I need a new show. What should I watch? And I got so many answers. <laughs> I was like, the internet is just so amazing. And a lot of people suggested I should watch Transparent, which I started. And I devoured three shows in a row. <laughs> and I went to bed really late. So I'm currently on a Transparent kick. Nice. I'm really into a very old show, Hercule, Hercule Poirot on Agatha Christie uh, series on the BBC. A lot of people suggested that one as well. <laughs> really? I cannot get enough of it. It's from the 80s and 90s. And I love it. I can't get enough of murder mysteries right now. I, I'm even reading murder mysteries at night before bed. So I'm like surrounded by <laughs> British murder mystery world. I, I'm obsessed. So anyways, so how did you approach this new year in your business and your personal life? Did you make a big thing about it or what was it looking like for you? I'm not a big believer in like starting out the new year with lots of sort of here's what I'm going to change. I don't like it when I make statements like that and then I don't follow through. So <laughs> New Year's resolutions, I'm, I'm, I'm more the person that sort of comes up with them in the middle of the year. I like to be a bit anti-cyclical with all this stuff. <laughs> There's just too much pressure. <laughs> no New Year's resolutions whatsoever. I mean, I just, I am continuously trying just to be very truthful to what I believe in and what my values are, which we mentioned a bit before, and just be a good person. And I feel like just that alone is my New Year's resolution. And just like continuing, I want to be able to wake up in the morning and look myself in the mirror and be proud of who I'm looking at. And that comes down to everyday interactions with everyone I work with, I relate to, I have exchanges with. That is really important to me. That alone is enough. <laughs> I'm not into resolutions either. I think I'm more curious on whether you create a vision for the future of your businesses or your life, or if you just express your values in the present moment alone. 
Well, I mean, obviously we do, my businesses, every, at the end of the year, we, uh, we have an offsite retreat and we look at the years past and we look at what's ahead and we plan the new year. So we make goals, obviously, right? That's about it. Like we plan the year out, sort of what are our big goals for the year. And that we have in place and that's great. But other than that, that's it. How do you set the goals that you create? You mean for the companies? Yeah, out of curiosity. For example, with Creative Mornings, we kind of sense that there's something new that I can't talk about yet that we want to work on, (laughs) sort of a new layer. You know, when you build a business or just, I wouldn't even call Creative Mornings a business. It's really just a, we created a global uh, community of creative types and it's so incredibly powerful and it's it's such a respectful community we just realized we need to do this community justice and there needs to be more than what it is right now and on our retreat we came up with an idea which we all ended up like kind of with teary eyes and goosebumps this is like the creation thing when you build something and again this doesn't have to be a business this can also be something at home or when you work with your family or you know you when you sense these moments of what you're doing is good and it's getting better and you add you just pouring your love into it and it's just flourishing those are the moments i live for the moments i have goosebumps because i i am so happy about what i'm creating and again this doesn't have to be a business this can also just be something you do at home or with your child when you sense that your child is just flourishing and is happy and that's what i mean with creating one of the 10 rules that you live by, and I'll, again, link to the video so people can go watch you talk about these things in more depth. The 10th rule you live by is do something if you're scared of it. But I have a question about that. So how do you know or do you have an idea or a way to help people understand if the opportunity is scary because it's what they need to do or if it's scary because it's not the right thing to do? I always feel that if if you you know, if you're really honest with yourself, if you sit down somewhere and just think about why am I scared of this, we all know in our gut. I mean, I might be wrong, but I, I always kind of had a hunch. The day this rule sort of became apparent to me was when I was asked to speak at a conference for the first time ever. This was 10, 11 years ago. I remember getting this email to be speaking at a conference in, in Seattle. They wrote me, uh, asked me to speak, and they said that the keynote was John Maeda, who is someone I really look up to. And that just gave me this visceral reaction. I was like, no way. I can never speak for the first time at a conference where John Maeda is speaking. Nope. And I deleted the email. And that night I was laying in bed. And it was one of these moments where I just had to like sort of sit myself down. I had to like kind of like talk to myself and say like, Tina, why why are you saying no to this? Because I was so afraid of not doing a good job. And then I told myself, like, wait a second, you just need to prepare. You need to put all your heart and love into it. And you need to work really hard. And you need to ask people that know about how to present, how to do it. And then you will do a good job. And I kind of knew deep inside, I was just scared. I was scared of the work. I was scared of the effort it will take. I was scared of potentially making a fool of myself. But at the end of the day, deep inside, I knew that once I'll do it, I will grow and learn so much. And that's kind of the moment where I said, like, you know, you just need to you just need to go for it. Just to kind of recap what you shared as far as that process went. So you're scared about it, but you know and your intuition tells you this is something you need to do. So you overcome the resistance of the ego saying, I don't know what the outcome will be. Will it be a good presentation? You let go of that, just like you let go of the idea of, is there going to be an ROI on my business immediately? Is there going to be money immediately? You let go of it, and then you go, 
fill it with love, first of all. So you go from your heart, you're going from your intuition, and then you went and looked for the principles of what makes a good presentation. You went and talked to people who did that for a living or had done it more than you. You found out how to do it, and then you learned and took those skills, apply them to your own love and your own intuition's knowledge of what you should do, and you let the outcome be progress because that was much more likely to happen than some specific, this is a standing ovation or this is so many people give five stars, right? You went to progress because that was, it was letting go of the outcome of any specific reaction someone else was going to have. Because you can't even control whether they like it or not. So you just did what was in your control. And that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I need to feel good about myself, I'm just going to call you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to see someone living so clearly from intention in the ways that I try to help people. So this is really, really amazing. And again, why I was so excited to speak with you. Let's move on to the last two questions. Number one, what doubts or internal resistance have you had to face in your life? And if you're still going through it now, how are you dealing with it? Or if you overcame it in the past, how did you get over it? Well, I would say one of my big doubts about myself has always been my skills in communicating. And, you know, ironically enough, in the end of the day, all so many of the things I do are about communication. But, you know, I don't know, don't we all grow up with this one thing that we think we never really learned or we're really not good at? And then for some reason, as you get older, you're realizing, you know what, actually, you're not that bad at it as you think you are. I didn't really grow up in a home where we had lots of arguments and we learned to have a strong argument and it's just we just never did that this just didn't happen it was not part of our family but whenever you know I would be in a heated discussion once I started working or with friends I I realized how incredibly insecure I always felt and I think still to this day I'm, I, I have to take a deep breath and, and there's moments where I need to remind myself no no, no Tina you can do this you're not going to get up you're not going to zone out you're going to be part of this and you can do this <laughs> so that's that's I think a self-confidence thing that over the years and you know, I just turned 40 last year and I feel like it, I've finally come to the place where I'm like, you know, I'm good in who I am. I have learned a lot in these areas that I thought I wasn't good in. And I must say, like, it's a really beautiful place to be when you're starting sort of really, I, I really feel like I've, I've come down on my own. Like I really started to feel confident in who I am and realizing what I'm not good at and being also at peace with that. I feel like oftentimes in my younger years, knowing I wasn't good at something really stressed me out. But now, especially that I think that's part also of running a business, you learn the things you're not good at and you need to delegate them and you need to hand them off. So in some sense, like it's also with being a parent, you know, there's things I'm good at and my husband is not so good at. So we just trade off these, you know, we sort of like figure out who's best at what and we help each other and stuff. So that was like a circle of an answer. But there you go. Yeah, no, that was beautiful. Thank you. So what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? All I can say is, or this is something I want to teach my children, is be really, really in tune with who you are. Know what makes you happy. Know what lights you up. Follow that in your life. And try always to be the best person you can be. And make sure you fill up, as we call it with my kids, other people's buckets. Be kind. Be respectful. Be someone where when they've spent time with you, they walk away feeling energetic and happy and and almost wanting more. So that's kind of like how I look at at life. Like I want to be someone that 
really fills people up with with a good feeling. And I'm not saying this just like, you know, in in an artificial way. I really mean that. And this also means that I will not spend time with people that don't reciprocate or are not authentic or that suck all of it out of me. That was something I had to learn as a kid or as a teenager or a young in my tweens. I started friendships that were not good for me. And I had to slowly but surely learn who makes me feel good. You know, it goes both ways. It's something I ask my daughter all the time when she comes back from playdates and I say, like, how do you feel right now? Do you feel good? Are you happy? It's something I'm trying to teach her. And I think a lot of grown-ups still have to learn that. And I had to learn that in my 20s. So that we are really aware with what lights us up, what makes us happy, and that we are aware of that we can have that impact on other people as well. That is beautiful. Thank you so much, Tina, for spending time with us today. I really appreciate it. And you are an amazing person. You really are. (laughs) No, thank you, Jess. And there you have it. Thank you, Tina, so much for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to send Tina a message, you can hop over to Twitter. Her handle is at Swiss Miss. That's Swiss M-I-S-S. And if you'd like to send me a message on Twitter or Instagram, my handle is at Jess C. Lively. For all of the show notes and links that we mentioned in this episode, you can go over to JessLively.com slash Tina Roth Eisenberg. And also feel free to leave a comment about how this episode has affected you or whether you can relate to the things that Tina is talking about in this episode. And of course, don't forget the Life with Intention online mini series for intention setting is going on now only for a limited time, but you can go get your first video if you hop over and sign up right away. May something wonderful happen to you today.